Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin. Join alongside my partner, Ed Hunt. How you doing today, Ed? Pretty good. How are you doing I'm today, doing Brendan? fantastic, my man. I mean, I'm always great once we're coming off some, some excellent football and you know, this week there was no shortage of that. NCAA and NFL upsets everywhere, and a lot of games that kind of went how we weren't necessarily expecting. But you know, some of the big ones in college, Cincinnati was able to stay hot, getting a thirty-point plus victory on a UCF, and then Georgia was able to uh, hold on to that number one spot by beating the ranked Kentucky. And uh, one game that I know we were all a little bit surprised about, and it kind of kind of hurt my rankings last week. But Iowa finally getting knocked off, and they lost to an unranked Purdue, who is now ranked 25th, their first time being ranked in a very long time. So this is a big win for Purdue and a big loss for Iowa. I think this is, you know, I kind of have to retract my statements about what I said last week because I I thought they were able to, you know, continue to pull away takeaways and um, the secondary was playing strong. And I just, I thought they were able to coach these takeaways somehow and consistently do it. You know, Purdue showed that that's, that's not true. You can't rely on takeaways to win, you know, to, to be a top five team. Um, Ed, what do you think this loss means for Iowa? Are they, you know, nearly as dominant as a team as we thought they were? Or is this just a great game by Purdue? Yeah, so I mean, this is a trend in college football for sure. I mean, Purdue has won four or five against Iowa. You know, Purdue has been big upsetters this year. I think this was Iowa's chance to be kind of in that college football playoff, you know, insider track. And I, I think I think the Big Ten is much more wide open, and I think it's going to be much harder to get back into the playoffs for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I mean, you, you know, there's going to be a lot more head-to-head matchups and so forth. And, you know, teams like Penn State will be, you know, gunning for that playoff spot. And, you know, that, you know, Michigan will be, you know, going for it. And, you know, the Ohio State's still going to be there. I mean, Ohio State's still ranked very high for a one-loss team. So um, there's, a, there's a lot, of, you know, it's a wide-open division right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a big loss for Iowa. They needed to keep it going. And I would say, yeah, now the Big Ten is wide open. Yeah, I really, I think this really strips Iowa any chance at making it into the playoffs, if that wasn't already obvious. I mean, all the other teams, the top five teams, Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, those are those are all better teams than Iowa right now. And if, if Ohio State wins out right now, uh, who's to say that they don't get in over Oklahoma? Because they have a much, much tougher schedule ahead of them than Oklahoma does. So uh, I, think, I think that's really up for grab for five or six teams right now. And like you said, even Penn State could make a push to get in there, get lucky in you know, one of those top five, six teams. If they, if they get a loss, then Penn State will sneak right in there. Something that really stood out to me with, like I like I was mentioning when I was talking about Iowa, was they just couldn't they couldn't produce turnovers. Their defense was not playing good, and I you know I, I have to give per, uh, credit to Purdue because Aiden O'Connell was on fire. The guy had a seventy five completion percent uh, while throwing the ball forty times, had nearly four hundred yards, and this was against top ten ranked defense in college football. Um, it was number one in turnover differential, and they mightily lost that battle this week. So. It was it, it kind of proved that you can't necessarily rely on takeaways to be this dominant team, and you saw that that they have the weak offense. They don't have an offense to bring themselves out of a deep hole. They they were able to make that what was a ten point comeback against Penn State, but you know they were down three possessions, and you 
you just saw they did not have the offensive firepower to get back in this game and do you think that the lack of explosive offense is going to you know hurt them the rest of the season yeah i mean i think the big problem in this game was their secondary i thought their secondary was much weaker than they've been in the past and uh you know i iowa relies on that defense and that secondary to be good so um that that was a big loss in this game this team falls behind in games. This Iowa team is not a good first quarter team. And they don't have a good enough passing attack to basically come back in games. So I think with the Hawkeyes, I think they need to start stronger. I think they need to be more aggressive with their offense earlier in games. Um, maybe open up the pass a little bit more. Um, you know, just... Try try to try to get that first score because I think I think what happened with this Purdue game is you know Iowa fell behind and then they fell behind and it was very hard for them to come back in this game and so uh, you know the slow starting is a is a problem for the Hawkeyes. No, that's a great point, Ed, because it, you you mentioned that the secondary was a problem. It was because they they were giving up 400 passing yards and if you're down you know two possessions you just you can't you can't give that up and. O'Connell was absolutely tearing them up when they when they needed to make these big stops and um, early early on in the game Iowa they there was a few times they actually put the offense in a decent field position to go out and score but they just couldn't do it they couldn't get on the board they had a missed field goal and they, they their offense just couldn't get going and uh, Petrus was just he was not good he had four interceptions I know a couple of them were in kind of garbage time but you know if you if those interceptions were turned into touchdowns, you, you maybe have a, a, a small chance to win this game. He also had a 95-yard pick six that was luckily dropped, so that would have been five picks on the day. I mean, this there there was a few times where they Iowa even got lucky. The score could have been a lot uglier than it was, so I really think Iowa is going to, yeah, like you said, they have to get out to a hot start because this offense is not built to, you know, to go out and throw for 200 yards in the second half. It's, it's just not, and um, Purdue Purdue's defense was even awesome. They, I mean, they had exceptional play call ac- across the board, and I think that's something that Iowa really struggled with that game. One thing that I liked about what Purdue did is, you know, how they like to use that selection of quarterbacks, and you know, they have their mobile quarterback that they put in a, in a, a, a few sets. And um, that first touchdown they scored, they had O'Connell on a QB power, just run it straight up the gut. I mean, that's your least mobile quarterback with by far the best arm and your most valuable quarterback. You're expecting him to throw the ball right there, and that's just to catch to catch such a high level defense off guard. Really shows that Purdue was they're ready for this. You know they were ready for this team, and they're they are now ranked team. They're and Purdue has kind of been like they've kind of been the party crashers. You know we've seen them lock uh, knock off a lot of like high level teams. Remember when they beat Ohio State a couple years back? So uh, Purdue is Purdue has kind of given them this identity. Is you know don't don't underestimate us because we can kind of knock off any ranked team. But I, I, I think this is a much worse loss for Iowa than it is a great win for Purdue because you, you really were trying to prove yourself to everybody outside of Iowa that you were one of the best teams. You know, I, I kind of fell in love with the, the fact that they could take the ball away whenever they wanted to. I really thought that this team was coaching something special about taking the ball away. But at the end of the day, that luck can run out. And we really saw that here. So... Like you said, the Big Ten is completely open now. I don't see Iowa um, necessarily finding that identity back. I get it's just one game, but Purdue showed, and this is, Iowa's beaten much, much better teams than Purdue, and Purdue showed that if you don't give them the chance to take the ball away, they're not going to. 
And so I, if they can't rely on that, there is zero chance they're, they're even a top 10 t- team to me anymore. I mean, Ed, do you, do you look at Iowa as even a top 10 team anymore? What are, I believe they're, uh, I believe they're ranked at, uh, at 10 right now. Or excuse me, they're, they're I mean, ranked I, at I 11. I think when the season at, yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think right now they're, you know, where they'll finish is probably, you know, mid 15s, you know, tw- 11 to 15. Uh, I think that's where they go. And, uh, you know, I think they play in a bowl game and so forth, but you know, it's kind of the end of the line and they've done pretty well. And now it's time to No, I agree. On. I think we've seen the best out of Iowa. We're going to kind of see for the rest of the year, but um, it was it was a fun run to watch while they had not not too many teams rely on defense like they were able to so it was a good stretch to enjoy it but I want to I want to transition a little bit here Ed one game we uh, we talked about last week Ravens versus Chargers a battle between two MVP favorites and kind of went a little differently than you and I are expecting the Ravens put up a lot of points like I was expecting but I was also expecting the Chargers to do the same and that Baltimore defense it showed up uh, this was this was a very very big statement game for the Ravens, and they've kind of solidified themselves again as, you know, maybe maybe they are the best team in this AFC right now. Uh, I don't want to say this is too harsh of a loss for the Chargers because they've shown they can go toe to toe with some of the best teams in football, but the Ravens were a better coached football team right now, Ed. Um, what is what does this win mean for the Ravens? What does it mean for the Chargers? And what did you take out of this? I, th- I think the Ravens uh, declared this week that we are the number one team in the AFC right now. They shut down Herbert. They get, I mean, to keep Justin Herbert at six points, at the way he's playing, at him being a hot quarterback, is a huge statement for the Ravens' defense. And you know the Ravens have always, always, always been a defense-first team. You know, they've modernized. They've, you know, they're, they're playing a modern style of offense you know, on the offensive side of the ball, but they still have that defensive identity. They should, they took Herbert out of the game, and when you take Herbert out of the game, you you know, good things happen against the Chargers. No, 100%. I mean, they if you take Herbert out of the game, they're going to have to run it, which they obviously couldn't do. They had 26 rushing yards, Ed, and a team, if you, if you can't air it out, if you can't run it, you're not going to beat the, you're not going to beat the Ravens. This is a team that can consistently put up four touchdowns a game, five t- no, like they they could score the pole whenever they want. And like we said last week, they they did it with the running game. I mean, Lamar Jackson particularly throwing the ball did not have that great of a game. I mean, he had a high completion percentage, but it was low yardage and he threw two interceptions with one touchdown. So I mean, the film, he really wasn't that bad, but statistically, it was a rough game for him. The Ravens won this game on the ground, and that's how they're going to continue to win. They had three guys run for over 40, 45 yards, averaging at least 4.9 yards a carry. So if you have three guys that can get you 50 yards a game, that's, that's at least 150 rushing yards. And that's Lamar's average is something around like 50, 60 yards a game. So if, if they can continue to keep this up, and the thing is, it's not even necessarily that these running backs are playing out of their minds. Ed, you mentioned it, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, this O-line is playing out of their minds. And like in the passing game, they didn't play particularly well. They gave up a few sacks, and Lamar Jackson, you know, he was running around. Uh, Running the ball, though, they were phenomenal. They were opening up run lanes for, I mean, guys like Devontae Freeman, I I do not want to discredit him in in any way, shape, or form. He's He's playing in the NFL, but 
you know, his prime is, is, it was six years ago, and they're making him look like a number one running back. So it's really impressive what this line is able to do. And there's no team in the NFL that has more players on the IR than the Ravens. So this just shows, like, how resilient this football team is. And as of right now, Ed, they're, they're absolutely my favorite to win NFC North, AFC North, and they're probably my favorite to win the AFC in general. Until the Browns can prove to me that they're a they could beat the Ravens. I, I am 100% holding on to Baltimore winning this division because the Browns played the Chargers last week and they gave up 45 points to them, 47 points to them. So, and and that uh, I understand that the, the Browns had a lot of injuries last week, but so did the Ravens and they don't have any excuse. They held Herbert in check. They held the running game to 26 rushing yards. You can't ask more for that. You can't ask more out of that Baltimore defense. You're going up against top five offense in football right now. It's just, it's exceptional football. And I also think this goes to prove how unbelievably good of a coach Harbaugh is. I mean, we have to give this guy his credit. He might be the, right now, you could probably credit him as being the best coach in football. I mean, would, would you would you agree with that, Ed? I wouldn't say he's the best coach in football. I'd still put Belichick and uh, Arians ahead of him. I will say this, I will say this. Lamar Jackson threw three interceptions in that game. Threw three interceptions in that game, and they still beat the Chargers handily. That says a lot about the resiliency of this team. You mentioned the stat about the number of guys on IR. This Ravens team is dangerous. Yeah, and I also I want to I want to say to Chargers fans out there, I wouldn't get too demoralized about this loss because uh, there there was four drop passes by receivers that generally don't have dropping issues. Mike Williams had a couple of by himself, and you know Mike Williams has been playing out of his mind, but. Those Ravens, that Ravens secondary has been no joke this year. I mean, we we were talking about it when we were able to see that Broncos game in person. Denver's receiving core is it's not, they're not slouches. I mean, Cortland Sutton is one of the best young receivers in football. Tim Patrick's one of the most underrated receivers in football. They held him in check. This Chargers receiving core is also one of the most talented. It truly is. Mike Williams statistically is a top five receiver right now. Keenan Allen has solidified themselves as a top 15 receiver the, almost the last 10 years so this and they held them in check it, it's just it's really impressive to see the Ravens do this type of stuff year in year out and I really I as long as this team has a guy named Lamar Jackson on it they're gonna find success and like I said each week he's proven me wrong and even though he didn't have a great game statistically they won the football game and like you said Ed he had a couple of turnovers you still won by 30 points you beat the Chargers by 30 points while having two uh, two turnovers. So uh, I, I just and, and I also want to point out that this secondary had played so lights out, but at the same time, the Chargers understood you can't run the ball on them. They ran the ball 10 times. They ran the ball 10 times, and like I said, it was for 26 yards. So you have to have a very unique formula to beat in this Ravens team right now because if you can't run it, I promise you, you're going to have an incredibly, incredibly hard time throwing it. Because um, somebody I also want to give credit to is Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey was targeted like seven, eight times that game and gave up two catches to guys of the name Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. So he's just playing out of his mind right now. And nobody has slowed down for this football team at all. Like I said, Ed, these are right now my favorites for the AFC North and possibly the AFC the rest of the year going forward. Uh, what do what team do you think has a chance to you know compete? Does a healthy Browns team stand a chance against? I know the Browns are banged up right now. The Ravens are too. I can't imagine how dominant this Ravens team can be once they have their entire team back healthy. 
Well, I mean, I mean, the truth is, is that everyone's banged up at this point in the season, and it's only going to get worse as the season goes on. So, um, you know, it it is a war of attrition. I mean, you know, I, I think all these teams, you know, when they show out, and it's like, you know, if they can stay healthy, right? Like they always say, and you know, that conversation always gets spot back. Uh, teams that I can see competing for sure. Um, you know, I I I think the Bills. I think the Bills will be right there. I think Josh Allen is still playing outside his mind. I mean, I know he lost last last night to the uh, Tennessee Titans, but he put up a fight. Uh, so, you know, Josh Allen is MVP worthy. Right now, if I had to pick someone to be MVP, it's Josh Allen. So uh, the Bills are definitely one of those teams that can challenge. I think the Browns have the talent to compete. I think they have the talent in the coaching to compete in the division. Uh, another another team, you know that that I think I think will you know give them some tough games is you know don't count out Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I mean the Bengals have been bad for so long, but Joe Burrow is turning this Bengals team around. Um, the Bengals are going to challenge the Ravens. I mean the, the Bengals are now a team that should be respected. They're a team that's for real, so um, that's going to be a challenger. I don't think the Chiefs are out of it. I think the Chiefs can can compete. Um, you know the Chiefs are you know a couple games behind. The Ravens, but I mean, you know, if they played each other head to head again, you know, I think it, it could be a different result. So, uh, you know, there's 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 lots of options. I mean, the Raiders are a good football team. Uh, they just lost their coach, but I think the the, the Raiders look resilient. Um, so I don't worry. So there are there are teams in the AFC that can compete with the Ravens, but right now I say Ravens are. I mean, I I agree with every one of those teams you mentioned pretty much, Ed. And uh, I wanted I want to go back. You you mentioned the Bengals. It is so frustrating as a Browns fan to see how good the Bengals are right now. I mean, Joe Burrow is he's phenomenal, and also, um, Jamar Chase, run he's I mean, I don't think it's close. He right now he is the runaway offensive rookie of the year. I truly do not believe it's close. If you compare his stats to a rookie Randy Moss, they were they are they are on par with one another. So, uh, and that block he had for Joe Mixon. Uh, I don't know if you're able to get uh, see it. Joe Mixon said you got to give that touchdown to Jamar Chase because without him, it's not happening. So they just have so many young studs on that team, and to to see Joe Burrow, you know, he the start of the season was a little rough for him. He had that game where he threw three picks in a row, but he is playing lights out. I mean, you you said it; they could be legit. I don't. I'm not saying they're going to make a deep playoff run or anything like that, but this is a team that seriously can can get north of ten wins right now. Uh, I really think it is, and until they give me a reason to think that they're the same old Bengals, I'm not going to think that. I mean, they they were a couple of made field goals away, one made field goal, but they decided to miss three, and so did Mason Crosby from beating the Packers. I mean, this is this is a team that a lot of people have for their favorites in the NFC and stuff. So it's it's just really impressive to see the the Bengals hold on and be resilient through a lot of these wins. It's just. It is a very, very, very talented offense, and there's a lot of teams that are going to struggle slowing that down. And another team you mentioned is the Raiders. Uh, I think the I don't think they have a chance to compete compete for that uh the whole AFC, but the AFC West, I think they have a serious chance. If if the Chargers cannot you know st- uh, continue to be that offensive powerhouse with Justin Herbert, I think they will struggle to find a little bit of wins. Um, they don't have that easy of a schedule coming up, so there's a chance that the Raiders, you know, find a way to to win that AFC West. But there is one team in that AFC West, Ed, that I really, really don't think has a chance to win it, even though they were off to an incredibly optimistic start. 
the Denver Broncos. I mean, this is a team that has kind of, you know, fallen into shambles, to, to put it lightly. Started off 3-0. Unfortunately, those 3-0 teams were 0-9 at the time. Uh, kind of gave a little bit of false hope, but the last few weeks have just been rough for Denver fans. And it's 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 tough football because a lot of it, y- you have the roster, you have the talent, Ed. A lot of it's bad coaching, a lot of it's bad play call. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater last week, he had a couple of good drives, but overall it wasn't the same Teddy Bridgewater we saw. So, you know, is 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 this Denver team... Are they are they a bottom tier team in the NFL? Are they in the middle of the pack? What even is this Denver team right now, Ed? Because we've seen them, you know, they they beat the they beat the crap out of those first three teams. I get it. So they obviously can't be the bottom of the barrel. But are they are they just stuck at mediocre for now for for however long? It's been a while since we've seen this team dig themselves out from being a medi- They're they're average at best right now, Ed. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons to think this team is not at the bottom of the barrel. I think one of the reasons is, you know, this is one of the better defenses. This is a top 10 defense in the league. So on the defensive side of the ball, they're very good. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, I think Chetty Bridgewater can be steady. Um, you know, and, and I think he's going to work himself out of this. Um, so I don't worry about Teddy B. You know, they're, they're going to be able to run the ball with, you know, Javante Williams, you know, Melvin Gordon. So I, I think... I think running the ball will be fine. And, I mean, passing the ball, I, I mean, they don't have Jerry Judy, which was going to be a big thing, but they still have Cortland Sutton. They still have uh, – they can they get the ball to Tim Patrick. They can, you know, get the ball to their tight end, Noah Fant. So I, I don't I don't worry about this Broncos team. Um, I just don't think they're elite. I, I don't think they're elite. And um, they looked like they were elite at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just frustrating because you mentioned they have talent. They have talent, Ed offensively defensively roster wise this is not a bad football team i mean you this is one of the better football teams if you're simply looking at the roster on paper it's just putting it together on the field has seemed to be a struggle for them and one thing that i've noticed every single game is they have an opportunity to hit these big shots downfield and i respect the fact that they're going for them but teddy you gotta connect on them man i i respect the fact that you know people said you won't push the ball downfield and you're taking your shots but you're not hitting them. And I, I, there hasn't been a game that Denver has lost where I haven't seen Cortland Sutton get behind the, the safety at least twice. And you've targeted him almost every single time, but have not, have, connect, have not connected a single one of those times. So it's just so frustrating to know that it's it possibly there. The execution is just lacking. And uh, Teddy Bridgewater, the last two drives of the game against the Raiders, was phenomenal. I mean, he had like a 90% completion percentage, drive the length of the field both times. Unfortunately, threw an, uh, threw an interception late, but they were just clean drives. And I get you had you had to throw the risky ball to try to get your team into the end zone. But it's just, it's frustrating to see, you know, to see these big missed plays. And, you know, Denver, they, they did it against the Steelers game too. They don't find their offensive identity until very, very late in the game when it's almost too late. I mean, I, I really thought there was a chance they were going to crawl back in that Pittsburgh game, but, you know, Teddy Bridgewater threw a pick on the on the drive that could have sent it to overtime, and, you know, it would have been a slim chance, but if there was any chance, he threw it away with a pick against uh, against Las Vegas. So I, I just I want them I want them to just come out and attack a little more. I get you want to get that running game established. You have Melvin Gordon. You have Javante Williams, who you are super excited to use. I get it. But you have seen... Once you just go out there and kind of attack, you you get something going. I don't I don't understand the super conservative play call early on. And also, 
I really, I hate criticizing coaches super heavily because they know what they're doing more than I am. But Vic Vangio, it might be time for this guy to go. And I understand it's in the middle of the season. It's hard. You want to give him another chance. But there was there was a couple inexcusable calls and inexcusable challenges. And this has been a constant thing with him. I, I, I was lucky enough to be able to attend this game. And I was sitting high up. I could see from the bleachers that the first challenge he made was not right. And the second challenge. I, I seriously, I don't understand how we can see it from TV or in the stands that these calls shouldn't be challenged. And he wastes two timeouts that could have been crucial late in the game. I mean, it was obviously a drop, and it was obviously a catch on the things that he challenged. And he he has this this knack for challenging when it's so obviously already correct on the field. So it's it, he's not putting his team in situations to succeed. He's not. And I I don't know. It's just frustrating to see a guy that's now ent- now in his what fourth year with the team and still making these very young errors. Uh, this is this is something that a young coach would do. Ed, what do you think the next step is with this Denver team? Do you think do you think that if Vic Fangio doesn't get this team to at least a 500 record, he's out of here? I do I do think he's on the hot seat. I think that's definitely uh where he is right now, but uh I don't I I don't that, that that's not really like what I expect from Vic Fangio is I don't expect him to be big in 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 running the offense and I think uh, what 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 they should do, you know, on the offensive side of the ball is get a get a new offensive coordinator who will, you know, change the change the basically the strategy, um, so that you know Teddy B does stretch the field a little bit more, and they, you know they need to do more bucketing drills and they need to get the ball deep, because there are guys who can catch the ball deep. You know, one of the things about Cortland Sutton that was clear uh, about him out of SMU is he can go deep. He can beat you with the deep ball. I would like to see them go deep more, get more aggressive, stretch the field, take the top off the defense. And then when you've done that, when you've stretched the field, then you can start to throw more underneath, right? They're trying to do too much underneath, 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 conservative, run, run, run. And they're not, it's it's not making defenses confused at all. No, 100%. And uh, I'm glad you, you said that this could be on the offensive coordinator because it is. Pat Shermer is got to be one of the most vanilla offenses I have I've seen. It's it's just so basic and I understand that that's kind of the type of offense you like to run, but the league is evolving and it's it's just so vanilla. It's predictable. It's there's nothing exciting about it. There's nothing to get big plays going. It's you you this team relies so heavily on being able to effectively run the football. And I get it. You you can be you can be decent at times, but the type of offense this team's running, it's you're not setting yourself up for success. You're you're averaging like three yards a carry in a lot of games. So I I would like to you know I maybe it is a change that you make before firing uh, Vic Vangio. Maybe you go out of your way, get yourself an offensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator that's you know that gives your team an opportunity to stretch the field, push the ball downfield because. You know, we all know Vic Fangio is a very defensive-minded head coach, which is fine. But I would still then like to see some improvements on the defense. I get the linebacker, the linebacker position, at least on the inside, is super beat up. Bradley Chubb hasn't been playing. There's a lot of teams on this, in, or a lot of injuries on this team. Um, but you mentioned there's a lot of injuries on every team, so they, you can't necessarily use that as an excuse anymore. So uh, I, I would like to see every asset of this football team improve, and I really think that if this team if they if they continue on this track where they're kind of getting their butts kicked every single game from here on out, 
I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of new faces in the in the Denver Broncos locker room next year. It's just it's hard to keep giving these teams a chance or these coaches a chance because um, Denver fans know it and the owners know it. This is a good roster. This is a good roster, Ed and Teddy Bridgewater. He he's 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 an effective passer, um, and I, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I really do. Uh, I want to say he is the guy for Denver because he comp like he just gets the ball into guys' hands, but they're not letting him necessarily do that right now. They're they're just giving him very simple route concepts that these defenses are picking apart. And you know you you've seen it. Teddy Bridgewater is holding on to the ball for so long, and he's done a great job of move, maneuvering around the pocket this year and getting a feel for the pocket, but. He could only do it so much, so I really, I really don't think if this Denver team shows great improvements in the second half of the season, you're going to see some new faces in the coaching seats next year, Ed. All right, I wanted to thank you all for being on a, another episode of Blitzcast. It's always a pleasure, Ed. I wanted to thank you so much for being on this segment of the show. It's it, yeah, it's always a great time, my man. Um, never can never talk too much football with you. Uh, I wanted to go. Yeah, I wanted to go into this next segment of the show. Uh, we were lucky enough, and I'm so grateful that we were get, able to get a chance to have uh, Brady Russell, tight end at CU Boulder. Um, he's he's going to be doing an interview with Ed. So Brady, I wanted to thank you so much for you know taking the time to come onto the show, and I wanted to thank all of the listeners for for tuning into this part. So Ed, I'm going to let you take over with Brady, and thank you so much. We've got a guest on the show, Brady Russell, who's a tight end from the University of Colorado Buffaloes. How are you doing today, Brady? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Pretty good, man. The Buffs beat Arizona this weekend. Uh, what was the key to the, their success? Um, I think the biggest key to our success was finally playing some complimentary football. We've kind of shown glimpses of being great on both sides of the ball, but we've never put it all together and done it at the same time. Um, so it's fun seeing the whole team kind of come together as one instead of just the defense or just special teams or just the offense. So uh, overall, a good win, though. Brendan Lewis has struggled. Uh, what do you think is the source of his struggles? Um, I think there's there's a lot of different reasons, but uh, the O-line hasn't been great for him. And then along with being young, uh, that doesn't help him out a whole lot. I still, I still have a lot of trust in him and what he can do. And I think this last weekend, he finally kind of put it together and was he was slinging it all around the field, throwing deep balls. And um, it was fun seeing him finally do some of the things that I always see in practice and a lot of the people in the media and stuff uh, are critical of him. Some of the traits like throwing deep balls because they haven't been able to see it. But uh, he finally showed some of that here this weekend. What's one way the offense can pick it up in the second half? I think with the amount of experience we have up front, we ought to be able to, and with the conditioning that we have, we ought to be able to run people out of the stadium and uh, rely on our O-line and me to to make some big blocks and run the ball. Uh, that should be one way that we can do we can do better in the, in the upcoming second half of the season. Why will the Buffs win this weekend in Berkeley? Um, I think, again, that comes down to complimentary football mm-hmm. and players players making plays when they can. Uh, that was one thing I noticed this weekend is there wasn't really any drops or there wasn't any bad throws when he had guys open. We were making the plays that we should have made when they were available. So uh, I think that'll be a big aspect is just being consistent in what we do. Is Oregon the toughest game of this year? 
they rank the highest. I don't know if I'd say they're the toughest. It's, I haven't really gotten that far. I mean, I watched the Cal-Oregon game last week because it was so good, but um, I kind of try to focus on the team that's at hand that week, and I want to think that that opponent that we're playing is the toughest that we'll play all year. Uh, and I watched the I watched each, like last week it was Arizona who was 0-5, but I watched them as if they were the number one team in the country. Um, so I just want to be hypercritical of everybody we play. What's your 40 time? Um, to be honest, I have no idea. I haven't run one since uh, high school. Do you know how much you can bench at 225? Uh, I don't know that either. I haven't done a whole lot of the testing. Um, yeah, we didn't do any testing this, this spring. Kind of fast forward past kind of your career. What do you think you could bring to an NFL <laughs> offense? Uh, I think the biggest thing that I can bring uh, is versatility. Because I believe there's almost no tight ends out there that are that are very capable in the run game and very capable in the pass game. Because um, you look at most everybody in there, either good at running routes and catching balls or good at blocking. There's not a whole lot of guys that can do both at a high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something I can bring to the table, and I can I can provide a team with that I'm most excited about. What do you love most about football? Shoot, what do I love most? I just love hitting, and a lot of it is just the hitting with a purpose. Like, you, you're you doing it for the brothers next to you, and you're, you're just battling, you're fighting, and you're doing it for all the people around you, which I think is kind of a fun. It, I mean, really, it's close to you can get to war without being in war, if that makes any sense. So I love battling for the guys around me and wanting to be good for them, not for myself. Well, uh, Brady, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Absolutely.